0: Hello everyone and welcome back to We're In Between, the podcast that discusses an episode of As Told by Ginger once a week, every week, except this week we're not discussing an episode at all, are we? We are discussing all of season two. Uh, we like to do a recap after each season, our major takeaways, our favorite episodes, and uh, whatever else Patricia has in store. So uh, all that being said, thank you guys for listening, and We're In Between. Someone once told
1: me the grass is much green.
0: A lot of people are watching along with us. Things are going to be taken a
1: lot further. It does keep the flow really, really nicely, which makes it a show that was really ahead of its time. Where's that petrified eyeball at now? Who's had it last? Macy is amazing, and she doesn't care about what other people think about her.
0: Don't you feel like maybe Dodie represents the instinctive, animal, ugly part of us? I might have just been having a bad day when I gave it the match. Caprice, priest
1: priest we don't say mooses, we say Someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side. and as always right before we discuss about our season two recap we have a lot of comments to read our final comments of season two right before we jump start into season three so let's kick things off with and she was gone that we had Mark Risley on as a guest. And let's start off with our first comment, which is from Frosty. Frosty says, Like everyone else, I adored this episode with my heart and soul. In high school, I auditioned for a play with the And She Was Gone poem. And not to toot my own horn, but the director told me she got chills from my audition. This episode is truly an amazing piece of art. And I'd like to point out how amazing Lois is to Ginger in this episode. Lois is always amazing, though it's nothing new. I just adore how involved with Ginger's art, Lois's, and how much she cares about her writing. It reminds me so much of my own mom, and it's ridiculously sweet. Lois is one of the best TV moms ever.
0: Frosty, you nailed it as usual. (laughs) Quality commenter. I do uh, just want to say this appears to be one of our most viewed of our We're In Between Episodes, not counting the very beginning ones. So that's pretty awesome. People still respect this episode a ton, and having Mark Risley on helped, I'm sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. And speaking of how respected this episode is, we have a comment from Joshua Moore who says, What can I say about this episode? It's my favorite regular episode of the series. This poem scenes were some of the best moments and most beautifully animated scenes I've ever seen in a Klasky Chupo show. If I were to include an example on why, as told by Ginger, is a deep and different show compared to many Nicktoons, the poem scenes would be enough to give proof to that. The Carl subplot is one of my favorite subplots, too, as it formally introduces one of my favorite characters in the show, Noelle Sussman, and Emily herself did a great job voicing the character. Let's just say I need a funny character in the B-plot to brighten me up, because the next episode's B-plot goes into a much more sadder direction. He's referring to No Hope for Courtney, which we'll discuss about in a few minutes, Much like the cast and crew, whenever I revisit the episodes, particularly the great ones, it makes me relive great memories again, and I thank Patricia for that. Overall, I take her grade for this episode up a notch and give it a solid, ultra, turbo, colossal, mega yay!
0: You know, that might even be one too many for me of of different ratings. (laughs) That's when you know it's out of control. But if there's an episode you've got to give a super, mega, whatever, yay to, it's this one.
1: Yes uh and we have a comment from hey abby p and uh, this person says this episode is one of my favorite ones it's a huge yay for me being a former poet i really connected with this episode very much the poem gave me chills because it is something i connected with growing up there were moments i wish i could have disappeared but it wasn't until i was older that i understood this episode and it talked and and how it talks in one way about uh therapy. I didn't understand it back when I was a kid. As I grew older and watched the episodes, it made me it helped me a lot with my journey into seeking treatment with mental illness like therapy and medicine. The Carlin Hoodsey um plot I love with uh, Noel Sussman disappearing was hilarious, and when Carl said the eyeball was for the potion, I laughed. It was uh, was rare that I laugh While watching cartoons But that broke me
0: Oh it's hysterical Yeah the whole Carl Noel plot in this episode Is so fantastic Um, Yeah this is a great comment all around Oh can I read one that's standing out to me right now It's one It's very short Uh, You tapped out Says only emo episode (laughs) 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 Oh that cracks me up I don't know why emo episode indeed
1: yeah i mean it's like if you want to just sum it up into two words into how people describe and she was gone vaguely it's you know (laughs) you know those hashtags on twitter in which is like you know describe this in less than four words or something right right so yeah Yeah. for and she was gone Two words. Emo episode.
0: Oh man, imagine if Ginger went like full, you know, dress emo for an episode. That would almost be too early two thousands for me.
1: Oh god. Well, maybe we will get to that. I don't know. Maybe we'll see.
0: Listening to like MCR.
1: Oh cr- <laughs> <laughs> playing Evanescence in the background. Yeah. Wake me up Lightning and stop. Up.
0: <laughs> we both just did that at the same time. Holy
1: crap. <laughs> okay, well, Can't let's... wake up! <laughs> okay. Oh, man okay let's let's move on so uh-huh. here we go let's start things off with um our we're in, okay so let's start things off with our next episode which was no hope for courtney and we have a lot of comments uh from a lot of people who claimed that hope rogers actually did appear in the background in other episodes before no hope for courtney apparently she was in episodes such as dare i darren and come back little seal girl kiss and makeup i spy a witch troubling gal pal lamb i'll definitely have to rewind the episodes to see if this is true. But my theor- but my statement about that her and Macy going to French class that is true because we never see Hope in French class, but Yes, uh, that is true. Uh, so, I, I do know that Hope does appear one more time in another episode after, uh, No Hope for Corny. So, if you guys are saying this, then, y- then you must be right, and I completely apologize. So, I take it that in, you know, I'm gonna go with my theory of what I said in that episode, that maybe they were trying to do the middle school equivalent of Noelle Sussman, and trying to see if maybe they can do a background character and fully flesh her out, but, yeah, just like I said before in that recap, I don't think it worked in that case. hmm
0: uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: All right, so let's go over to... Um, let's see what I got. Okay, let's go over to our next... Uh, so we'll go over to our comments. Uh, we have one from HeartLover1717, and she says... I had to watch this episode again because I couldn't remember why the trio didn't just add Hope to their group, only to remi- only to be reminded that Hope becoming Courtney 2.0 was all Ginger's idea. The girls didn't the girls even compiled and gave Hope a list of tips, things they observed Courtney doing and saying that they haven't employed themselves. I thought this was kind of funny, but not in a shot in kind of way. To see Courtney falling apart reminds me a little bit of Beyonce's "Crazy in Love."
0: <laughs> That's an awesome comparison.
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. She she's such a mess that someone even tosses her a coin. LOL. After Hope becomes Ginger's Frankenstein monster, the social justice impulse in her makes her want to fix it all. Well, the Grippling Mansion was certainly busy that evening. Great lines. Um, I'd rather be nice than popular. That's because you've never been popular.
0: Oof. Too real. Too real.
1: <laughs> okay, we have another. Okay, so we have a comment from uh, Dylan, uh, Dim- uh, Dylan Camille. And she says, I can remember just being in pure shock by the ending. It's rare, it's very rare for a kid's show to take death so seriously. Definitely an episode that has always stuck with me. Even when I was a kid watching it for the first time, I remember wanting to watch it over again once it ended because I couldn't believe what actually happened.
0: Yeah, it's... Oh, man. You know, we kind of... I think we talked, I don't know what else to add than what we already said about it, but it was great to see listeners also being similarly moved by this one.
1: Yes. And uh, we have one more comment. Uh, we have one from uh, Nasaya and she says, This is my favorite Carl and Hoodsy plot. It's amazing and so sad. I love Carl's jazz scene. I wish I could find the clip of that scene so I can watch it over and over again. Um, it's one of the times they wish that Carl's and Hoodsy's plot was the main plot, because that story is so much better than the Ginger plot. I know this is a lot to say, and I only barely started watching season three, but all I have to say is that after this Carl and Hoodsey plots, I don't know if there's any that'll be just as great as this one, when I review as told by, was when I was reviewing as told by Ginger. I am definitely having this Carlin Hoodsy plot as one of the highlights of the show. I give this Carlin Hoodsy plot five stars and six musical notes. (laughs)
0: five stars and six musical notes don't get me started or i'm gonna start using that
1: oh god no (laughs) i'm sure ashley will be completely going insane in every episode of fnn it's like i give this episode five stars and six musical notes
0: oh see she wouldn't even let me she is far less patient than you are with my antics
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right Let's go over to our next set of comments. Uh, Our next episode is next question. And uh, let's see, we have our first comment from That Miss Quinn, and she says, Braceface, Lizzie McGuire, Hey Arnold, and As Chilled by Ginger had similar episodes of Teacher Crushes. They are a thing, apparently. I didn't have a thing for teachers until college, but at least it's a bit more age-appropriate. Ooh,
0: wow, what a revelation (laughs) there at the end. I feel like I just got to know you a little better, That Miss Quinn. Uh, Yeah, it is, Braceface took me back. Wow, I not thought about that show in years. A lot I, I have from- okay, I
1: just want to let everybody know I have never seen Braceface and I have received so many comments from people saying do a comparison to as told by Ginger to Braceface and I'm like Okay, I, I mean, I know that a lot of people say that Brace Face and It's Told by I think they both came out roughly around the same time. I told by Ginger came out a few months before Brace Face, and it's supposed to be very similar. It's about a slice of life show with a teenage girl going through everyday situations and having, uh, both fun moments and serious moments. So, yeah, maybe someday I will do a comparison, but as of right now, um, no.
0: But well, What I will say that, Ms. Quinn, is that Ashley and I on the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast have found that this is the case with a lot of episode concepts. We did an episode on video games and the three episodes we picked from three different Nicktoons all had basically the exact same plot to a T. It's fascinating. This has happened a few times to us. That's like, okay, we pick an arbitrary idea and then realize, wait, there are three almost identical episodes between shows.
1: Yeah, that is true. Very rarely when you have plots with a theme, uh, you know, sometimes plots with a theme, like a very similar theme, are very samey and others take it to a different level. They have their own true. style to it. Very true. Yeah, I and mean, when it comes to video games, you know, oh, the kid goes into the video game and they experience what's going on. It's like, that's very, very similar to what you see for Tron and um, .hack and, um, uh, what was it, uh, Code Lyoko, Sword Art that's Online, true. Ruby Tone. Yeah, it's not
0: exclusive to Nicktoons. Yeah, it's just a trope at this point. Yeah, pretty much. It
1: just depends on uh, how well they pull it off and how well they differentiate it to make it stand out totally totally oh and also reboot because you know you need to mention that uh, anyway mm-hmm. so let's go over to our next comment uh, we have one from miss sakura 1996 and she says i cringe nearly the entire episode it was too hard to watch i know girls who have crushes on their teachers so i can see where the idea for this episode comes from great motherly ad- um great motherly advice from lois as always and uh we have a comment from Zilatra 12 and she says, this episode is my least favorite because it makes me cringe and I feel so embarrassed for Ginger. I hate shows that make me feel like that for the main character. Such an uncomfortable sensation. That and the whole teacher crushing has been done before with always the same results. Not necessarily true. In The Simpsons, uh, Lisa did have a slight crush on her substitute teacher at first, but mostly because that she respected him. And the episode actually plays out really interestingly that Home starts becoming a little bit jealous that Lisa is starting to pay more attention to the substitute teacher than her own than himself who's the father so he he tries to be a little bit more active in her life
0: right well I will say um, in terms of the whole secondhand embarrassment thing you're probably just too much of an empath just kill that part of you and uh make yourself an empty husk the unfeeling husk and you'll be able to watch these episodes just fine Now, and people always say like the scott's tots episode of the office is painful to watch i for one love secondhand embarrassment i don't know if it makes me feel better about myself in awkward moments in my own life but it's like at least i'm not michael scott or at least i never Confessed that I have a crush on a teacher On public access television I find it comforting but maybe I'm just a selfish Individual I don't know
1: Yeah I mean I guess it depends on how A person feels and You know it it depends on um, You know their perspective with how Things are played out and how things Are presented some people might be uncomfortable with it some people might not even care Um, Totally Let's see we have a comment from uh, Let's see Uh, We have a comment from Kevin K and he says, I'm going to have to give this one a meh because of the lowest advice. But if there was ever a nay, it would have been Ginger solo. Marina'd be nice for the first time was not enough to save that episode. I remember being twelve and gritting my teeth in anger over seeing Ginger on the bus ride back to town, being all happy about the medal that she didn't earn. That to me was the most out, out of character and shallowest part of the entire series for me. So and there's some people who also felt it was Nay uh who was who was meh as well. So, I guess it depends on other people's perspective. Uh, let's see. Also, um um you know, another person who, who was cringing at every moment of it was Core A or Core A. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, who said, "This episode is probably my least watch. I just can't handle Ginger's confession. The cringe is strong."
0: Yeah, it's it did make me very uncomfortable. You know, I said that, you know, sometimes secondhand embarrassment is good, but that that one, when it starts, you just you get that sinking feeling of like, oh, that was a bad idea. Yes, not great.
1: And uh, finally, last but not least, we always have our uh, comments from No Parking Barry, and uh, he says, <gasps> facepalm. I absolutely positively agree with you, Patricia, on how uncomfortable Ginger's crush on Mr. Gardner was to sit through, even worse than how she acted during the holidays. Look, having a precocious crush is fine, but here Dodie is such a dumbass, convincing Ginger to believe... (laughs) <laughs> the man has a boner for her as oh, well, God. albeit an I'll, uh, an illegal one. You know, I recommend you check out A Much Better Take on the Story, uh, the episode Teacher's Pet from Braceface, uh, again with a brace face. There, at least it warns us of the consequences of a student-teacher relationship, and Sharon doesn't support the idea of Maria going out with the teacher Maria has the hots for. I wish Ginger and Dodie were that smart here. As for the Carlin Hoodsey plot, once again, it's much better than the main plot. But given how it was forgettable, that's not saying much. The scene where Brandon and Mr. Licorice were showing off their fashion, as well as the part where Brandon and Carl were singing, were amongst the best parts. So, in short, I give it a big fat nay. Is um is what next question deserves. It's as bad as um, the other episodes. Also, you're getting close to the most epic season of the series. Woohoo! <laughs> Hooray. Yeah, I know. Next week we're going to be talking about it. Hooray. All right. Last but not least, episode 40, the season 2 finale, Driven to Extremes. Let's talk. Let's let's Okay, so we have our first comment uh from Magical Peach Internet who says isn't it weird that the substitute is making more work for herself by making the kids write long essays on topics she's not teaching them about? Were they supposed to be graded, and was she was supposed to grade them, or to be left for Ms. Zorsky to grade upon her return? I think that's so weird that the sub would dish out these weird demands for three weeks and neglect the kids' education and well-being like that. It seems like she wants to lord her position over the students to make herself feel good while not caring about their reputation. Uh, While not caring about reputation. You think she would be more reluctant to having her house teeped and egg since it happens every time she teaches. But she deserves to be fired and the class deserves a better substitute teacher. This episode needed more Lois or Principal Milty to act as an adult voice of reason for the kids and as a translation barrier for the sub. The only reason they aren't using this episode is to make the kids feel like they have to take matter into their own hands. <laughs>
0: well clearly this episode prompted a lot of discussion uh i still i'm gonna be honest i still don't i don't know i guess i'll leave it all in the episode we've already discussed it but uh, it was great to hear all of your different and very varying opinions
1: yes absolutely and uh let's see we have a comment from cameron biggs uh, who says wow what a way to end season two! First off billy west I wouldn't have guessed it, but yeah, this substitute has got some problems. As far as I remember, I don't think I've ever had a sub like her in school. The ending was horrible. Ginger gets sent to detention for speaking up against a horrible teacher who should have been retired. The lesson? Don't answer back or question authority figures. It could have been much worse. They could have had Miss Trunchbull from Matilda as their sub, throwing kids over fences, force-feeding them, or throwing them inside the chokey.
0: yeah i would have much preferred that
1: (laughs) okay and uh let's see we have a comment from let's see uh let me take a little check um okay we have a comment from nasaya who says i don't completely agree with you on this episode i like the ginger plot because it reminds me when i stood up to a very mean teacher of mine you think ginger's teacher was mean mind Uh, mine wrote me up for stealing when, um, when, let's see, mine was, uh, mine wrote me up for stealing when that's not I was, that's not what I was doing. You see, my friend let me borrow her pen to do my work when, um, what happened, she accidentally dropped the pen in one of those desks you open with a lock. So instead of to get some, uh, so instead to get someone to open it, she wrote me up for stealing after I couldn't take it anymore. I stood up and you know what I did? I left the class and I didn't come back. I didn't come back. After the, um, I didn't come back, I called her a bad word under my breath and walked right out of the classroom. So as for someone with the same problem, I like to say to Ginger, Well done, and good job for standing up to the mean teacher. Uh, and, okay. finally, and finally, we have our last comment, and this time we have to go over to the we're-in-between forums because our good buddy Norbert has wrote us a pretty long one. So let me just pull this one out really quick. Okay um okay so nor okay so we have two more comments uh one that we have uh from okay so we're going into the we're in between forms we have two more comments one is from our um long time listener norbert and he says um let's see Um, uh, let's see. I haven't seen this episode in a while and I won't again till somebody uploads it on YouTube without some filter over it or zooming in too much or pitching up the, uh, the voices where they're almost unrecognizable. So let me explain. Um, I recall liking it. Let me explain. Firstly, yeah, Miss Grimley is a terrible substitute. She's overly strict, and I wouldn't want to have her as my teacher. But I actually found her over-the-top strict rules to be entertaining. It's kind of like how I find Joanne from Lunatic Lake to be hilarious. She's so in she's so insane and over-the-top that it's funny. Same thing here. I don't know of any teachers who's ever been that strict as Mrs. Grimley, but I'm hoping that they do not exist. And according
0: to what you said, Casey, they do. Right. Yeah, that's the thing and why I kind of push back on over-the-top criticism of this character is because even if you don't like it, there are people who exist like this. Now, maybe they don't need to be in a show. That's an argument, but certainly not an unrealistic character by any stretch.
1: Sure. As for the ending, I don't think it was supposed to come off as always do what your teacher says no matter how strict they are or else you'll get in trouble. I mean, it made sense for Miss Grimley to give her detention given her character, and I bet Ms. Zorsky would have probably sided with the students after hearing what happened with Miss Grimley afterwards. I like to think that maybe she was replaced with a new substitute because Principal Milty walked in and decided she was too strict. That would have been satisfying, wouldn't it? Not much to say about the Carlin Hoodsy plot. It was a little dull, but nice to see Mr. Licorice again. I may need to rewatch this episode again to get a second opinion. But from the last time I saw this episode, I gave it a yay. I'm aware that it's an unpopular opinion, but we have all but we all have unpopular opinions, and that's uh, one of mine. Okay, and um, we have a response of that comment, and it's from HeartLover1717. First of all, the three boys completely missed an important clue Mr. Licorice gave after stopping the can-can dance. He grabbed a nearby CD, which whizzy reads the title, Groove Into the Woodwinds. Instead of thinking that, Carl went all bad to the bone. I don't blame Mr. Licorice for driving off and then later jumping on the bike in an attempt to break it. Um, Mrs. Okay, moving on. Mrs. Grimley is a tyrant. Did you notice how the classroom seat assigned changed on the second day? All known friends were separated. They were cross talking each other's heads before she walked in. The students should have gone in to speak to Principal Milty as a group um, to protest this verbally and mentally abuse teacher. Who just buy who just biding her time away, giving out punishments for shits and giggles. Instead of planning a teepee prank, Ginger could have rallied them at a planning meeting. After all, they did follow her after she moved her desk and began her rant This episode could have used some Lois. Ginger getting some advice over dinner or while washing the dishes or something. The ending, perhaps it was meant to be funny, but it bothered me. A young woman is reprimanded after speaking out about mistreatment by a person in authority. We don't know if there was any meetings to discuss about what happened, or if anyone spoke to the rest of the class. We just see Ginger get thrown into detention. In light of current events such as women keeping quiet following harassment, fearing in their livelihoods and perhaps their lives. This doesn't sit well at all. Like I said, we needed some Lois here. That's all for now. I'm so looking forward to season 3. It's going to be a wonderful um it's going to be a wonderful journey with everyone.
0: Well, the lion, you know, you said it twice in that comment, but that this episode could have used more Lois. That's true of any episode of any TV show. Let's be real.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. Absolutely, could
0: always use Lois Fowley. Sticker in Friends, sticker in Breaking Bad, sticker in everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, a, a Lois in Breaking Bad. I can imagine that.
0: That would be hilarious. That would be
1: kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for your amazing comments, um, that's pretty much, uh, so, um, yeah, tune in next time, uh, tune in next month, as we're gonna be reading off your comments for season three, and we cannot wait to see what your thoughts are gonna be for that, so, um, in the meantime, uh, let's enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right, now that we've completed season two, let's take a look back, and, uh, let's compare it to season one, so... Uh, I've actually written down a few things that I think are different from season one. So the first thing that I really noticed is that uh, the Carlin Hoodsey plots were definitely much better than the ones in season one. I remember us liking the Carlin Hoodsey plots just as much, if not more, than um, some of the Ginger episodes. Like for example, in Fast Reputation, the the, um, the Carlin Hoodsey plot was like the best thing about it. Trouble in Galpau Land was the same. Lunatic Lake was also a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that um, the, some of the best episodes of season two were focusing on, like, the Carlin Hoodsey plot, because I recall from the season one recap that some of the Carlin Hoodsey plots were just either okay or pretty forgettable. Very rarely were they, like, the standouts of
0: the season. I agree. It seems like season one has a lot of the hits, you know, the big ones that people seem to love.
1: Yeah, definitely. Also, another thing that I noticed in season two was there were a lot more one-off characters. We've had a lot of characters that only show up in, like, one episode, and then they never appear again. Let's see. For example, there's uh, obviously, like, you know, George from Sibling Revelry. Hope Rogers uh, from No Hope from Courtney. Dustin from april's fools joaquin from love with the proper transfer student right. leticia from new girl in town and of course the teachers like mr gardner and uh, the substitute from driven to extreme so yeah there were a lot of one-off characters in this particular season
0: yeah th- that's an interesting point i hadn't thought of that i don't mind it one bit i thought it added an interesting dynamic to the show developing these characters we don't see as much um, yeah, I en- I did enjoy the season. It had a much stronger middle than beginning and end, in my opinion.
1: No, I-, I think that, in my opinion, it starts off really strong with Never Can Say Goodbye when Darren gets his headgear removed, and then... It starts building up. Like, Jim Clark's Confidential is another great one. Um, you know, Fast Reputation with Carl and Hoodsy's plot was great. Nurse's Strike was fantastic. Uh, Carl and Hoodsey's plot with Dribble- Trouble in Gal Pal Land. Losing Nana Bishop. Yeah, I would say that it did have, like, a strong beginning. And then, like, every... And then, you know, kind of, like, consistently, like, toward the middle, it was strong. But I say, like, almost towards the ending, it was just so weak. I don't know why. I mean, it felt like they were on a strong start. And then like when they were reaching towards the end, it kind of petered out. It started becoming a lot more cliche and the, the the stories were becoming a lot more stock.
0: Yes, I think you're right. I think they fell into a routine and I'm hoping that in season three, they play around with that routine. I think the fact that they have many TV movies means that they will at least break away from that, but we'll see.
1: Yes. So, yeah, in season two, there were no TV movies for as told by Ginger. But they will make up for it because in season three, there are three. TV movies. And they're basically spread out from beginning, middle, and end. That'll be definitely a lot more interesting to go over. I say that in my opinion, like with season one, it does start off with Ginger, Dodie, and Macy in the seventh grade. And we do get, you know, the introductions of the characters. I say that with season two, you definitely see the characters progress a lot more. They start growing up. And um, the fact that Ginger is now developing crushes, like when she was, in the first season, she had a crush on Ian. And then at the beginning of season two, she had it with Sasha. So she's starting to learn about crushes. Macy becomes a lot more confident with episodes such as Family Therapy and um Carlin Hoodsey's plug become a little bit more dynamic in the se- in, in season two. So yeah, I'm really interested to find out what happens for them. And, you know, um, not wanna give anything too much, Casey, but you notice that I said that in season one they were in the seventh grade. In season two, they were in the eighth grade. So maybe something will happen in season three. I'm not gonna say anything.
0: That will be very interesting if that timeline continues to progress. So uh Yeah, I'm interested in just seeing these characters grow up a little more. It's like, I feel like we're in the in-between of we're in-between with this middle season. It's like the epitome of being in-between. And I'm kind of ready to start, you know, reaching the other end of that, that spectrum.
1: Yes, I definitely do agree. All right. Now that we have that covered, I think it's about time we go over our top five episodes of season two. So... We're going to be discussing about the episodes that really stuck out to us for this particular season. So, Casey, uh, why don't you go first this time?
0: All right. My number five is Gym Class Confidential. Uh, was it the first episode of the season?
1: No, that was the second. The first one was um, uh, Never Can Say Goodbye. So it was the second. And that was the one where we had um, Erica Cimiro as a guest.
0: Yes, and unfortunately, I wasn't on it. <laughs> I uh, had to miss that one, but I watched the episode. I prepped for it. It just didn't work out. And, well, that's really okay. Was... I mean,
1: you went to the Tonys. You know, <laughs> I wish we could go to the Tonys.
0: <laughs> that was a really great episode, and I wish I could have been there to discuss it. I thought the, it was one of the rare episodes where the A and B plot both felt really good to me. Um, I mean, I thought the puberty video was really uh, important. The, uh, it really went there. It's talking about, like, periods a little bit. It's talking about all this stuff that, like, you know, it talks about body issues with Hoodsy, and I just found it to be a really awesome episode in terms of going there. My number four is The Nurse's Strike. Uh, we've talked about this one a lot, but it's an excellent episode that showcases Lois as a character. Got some great quotes that we've, you know, used on FNN and on We're In Between. It talks a lot about class, struggle, it talks a lot about be, being proud of who you are no matter what you do, and not being ashamed by any sort of hard work no matter what kind of work it is, and has an interesting Ginger Courtney dynamic that that I always find compelling. My number three is Lunatic Lake, uh, the Emmy-nominated episode. The episode is really well done, It's it's so different than most other episodes of As Told by Ginger. We get a a key look into the Bishop family, which I find very entertaining always. It, It deserved its Emmy nomination, and I really enjoyed it. My number two is losing Nana Bishop. We discussed it on the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I loved discussing it here. It deals with death and grief in really interesting and profound ways. Seeing Hoodsy grapple with the fact that he doesn't necessarily you know, feel as affected as he thinks he should about the death of his grandmother, uh, as well as seeing the rest of the family's reaction was, uh, it sort of paints a, a full picture of grief in this one family. And then my number one episode from the season was And She Was Gone. Uh, It really gets into the stigma of mental health a bit. It talks about depression. It's, uh, you know, Ginger kind of parsing through her own feelings, even though she didn't think that she intended her poem to be read that way initially. And any episode that showcases Ginger's awesome writing skills is a favorite of mine, as evidenced from my season one top five and now from my season two top five. So, yeah, that's what I got. I'm interested in seeing how similar our lists are, Patricia.
1: Our lists are very similar, actually, except that um, oh. it's a little rearranged. And I do have one episode that I put in as opposed to the other. So here okay. we go. Uh, my number five is also Gym Class Confidential. We discussed about this episode with uh, Eric Samira, who wrote it. Um, Yes, it's a very, very strong episode that focuses on a subject that is very uncomfortable. It focuses on the change in a girl's body, becoming a woman, and the fact that Macy was afraid of talking about it and watching the movie because she felt like it was a step in, um, you know, the step towards adulthood that she clearly wasn't ready for. And I love the fact that Ginger is really supportive and wants her to catch up with the gr- other girls and doesn't want her to be left behind. And, of course, you know, Hoodsy's plot with him not wanting to take a shower, very relatable because there's a lot of people who don't feel comfortable about their bodies. So, yeah, I, just, I love the fact that these plots are similar, which is a rarity for us told by Ginger. It's something that a lot of people can relate to. And I, I forgot to mention this in the... Um, in the season, in the episode recap with Eric that this episode was actually ranked ninety seven in the top one hundred Nicktoons episodes back in two thousand uh, wonder- and seven if you 're wondering uh, if you 're wondering if there are any other episodes yes number ninety five was stealing first so if that 's what you 're wondering anyway, uh, my number four on the list is family therapy, and we discussed about this episode with Paul and Jackie Greenberg. Um, it's a really strong Macy-centric episode. It's my second favorite Macy-centric episode, the first one being Come Back Little Steel Girl. It feels like it's a continuation of that episode in which we do get to see Macy standing up against her parents when they completely forget about her birthday. And, you know, the fact that that her parents are treating her like a four-year-old because they're so out of touch with their daughter. Um... Macy becoming an assertive character which we've never seen before and it felt like a growth progression. and progression and at the same time Carl being scared which is something that we've never seen before. We always see Carl being the confident tough kid but when we see him at his most vulnerable it makes us relate to the character a whole lot more and the fact that they pull in together when they go over to the petting zoo and when Carl catches the naked mole rat it flows really nicely and you know Macy becomes a, a stronger character really makes up for it. Um, okay, so number three is Losing Nana Bishop. Uh, definitely one of the best episodes of the series. Um, great episode focusing on the Bishop family when uh, Nana Bishop passes away. Hoodsy feeling really, really uncomfortable about um, talking about his grandmother in front of um, everybody in the funeral because he never felt the same connection with her, and Ginger wanting to learn more about her grandmother because she barely remembered her. Very relatable, and as I mentioned before in my story about how my cousin passed away, um, it, it really resonates to me a lot more than ever. And Number two is The Nurse's Strike. I love this episode because, obviously, Lois is my favorite character, and the fact that her and Ginger have such a wonderful relationship, and them cleaning houses, and just... Um, bonding with one another, it just makes this episode so good. Carlin and Hoodsy's plot was also pretty decent, too, oh. with them training the Duchess. But, seriously, Ginger and Lois were the highlights of that episode. And finally, number one is And She Was Gone. If Hello, Stranger is not the best episode of As Told by Ginger, for some people, then and She Was Gone is. It is a masterpiece of an episode. One of the best episodes in any cartoon you will ever see. Dark, atmospheric, moody, depressing, beautiful animation. Really tackles in a realistic subject about, you know, um, the fine line of fiction, fictional writing and what a person is really going through when it comes to suicidal depression. And the introduction of Noelle Sussman is uh, fantastic. She's one of my favorite characters, and we'll actually see a lot more of her in Season 3. So... Um, other than that um, this is an episode we talked about with Mark Grizzly got some really cool behind the scenes stories so yes love this episode cannot recommend it enough for anybody uh, willing to check out as told by Ginger which um, by the time that this episode comes out a few weeks ago on the Nick Splat YouTube channel they actually posted up um, you know two parts of the And She Was Gone poem which is awesome so if you're interested in just looking at the clips then please go check it out All right, now that we're done with our top five. Now it's time for us to do our predictions. Uh, what is your predictions for the third and final season?
0: All right. I'm sticking to, I'm going to reiterate one from season one. I think Ginger and Darren are end game. I think, you know, him always climbing up in the windowsill, the whole boy next door thing has been setting that up for a while. And um, I expect that to be the end game. We'll see though. You know, with Ginger, she's certainly had a a few potential love interests, so it could be interesting. Um, I'm really what I'm most interested to see what will happen in terms of I have no idea is what happens with Courtney and Miranda Like it just feels like their friendship is built on such pettiness that it really might not last I'm not sure so those are my two big takeaways right now
1: Yes from your predictions from season one you were talking about how Ginger and Darren may become a thing as of for season two It didn't happen Carl and Hoodsy going right. into more pranks and stuff like that. That has happened a few times over the season. So um, now mm-hmm. let me just give you what my thoughts are for season three. We're not giving any spoilers. Uh, season 3 we'll kick it off with a TV movie. Definitely putting in the friendship on the line. Another episode that would really put the friendship on the line, but we'll definitely get into that. And trust me, everybody has been excited for our thoughts on it because, oh boy. All right, we'll, we'll get there. And I even briefly hinted at about, you know, every season that the girls will be changing grades. There will be an episode in which that will be really focused on that. And we do get to see a little bit more on Lois and Dr. Dave. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes happening. Now, a lot of people were excited when we did our season one recap, talking briefly about season two, because for a lot of people, season two is their favorite season. And um, for season three, in my personal opinion, it's a mixed bag. Some of the best episodes of the series are in Season 3, but so are some of the worst. And for a lot of people, they're not nostalgically connected to it because, well, we'll talk about a little bit later on through, um, in the podcast about how Nickelodeon pretty much screwed them over. I can't really say too much after that because, trust me, we have a lot of cool stuff planned for Season 3, a lot of amazing guests to come, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, I think that's pretty much wraps it up. So, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Tune in next week as we kickstart Season 3 off with the second TV movie, Far From Home, or Foutley's on Ice. Hope to see you around soon, and thank you for listening. <laughs>